0: Let's pray. Father God, we give to you this time. Help us as you're faithful to have discernment in this life, to apply your word, for your word is good, just as you are. Thank you, Lord, for all you have told us about yourself through it to us give you glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Life is hard, Merry Christmas. (laughs) In the last two weeks, I have received more disappointing, difficult, tragic news. Uh, Constantly, every day, even some days hourly, new things coming in. Life is full of disappointments, it is full of hardships, even tragedies. I've decided that we all just need to stop getting older. There, there will be no slipping and falling. Do you understand me? No more injuries, no more sicknesses, no more surgeries. Okay? Okay? Just agree with me on that and we'll be good, okay? This world may throw on some bows and lights. It puts up trees and wreaths. But let's face it, this world is out to get us, isn't it? We are, we are surrounded by sin since the fall, ever since Adam and Eve, this world is drenched in sin. Things break, things deteriorate, don't they? Moth and rust, right, according to God's word? Our work is hard to come by. We struggle with, with other people, and even the things we try to work with, they don't cooperate, right? People in this world are all looking out for themselves. They're all out to, to get above everybody else. Sometimes the emphasis on this being the ha- happiest season of the year really just makes it that much harder, doesn't it? Why, as I look out at everybody else, as I look out at all the decorations, uh, why am I not happy? Why? I should be, shouldn't I? And that's that's what the songs say. It's the ha- happiest season, Right? That's what the decorations say. That's what the media says. We should be happy. And yet we live in a world where people trample over one another to get the best Black Friday deals they can so that they can look good to their family. Some years back, do you remember? Remember, some people were actually killed, injured, We have hospitals, we have to have these hospitals dedicated to treating childhood diseases like cancer. Cancer and child are two words that should never come together. ISIS still wrecks havoc in the Middle East. Hitler could kill his six million Jews and Stalin could starve seven million to death in the Ukraine just to maintain his power. Stranglehold over his people. This is the world into which God sent his son. A hateful, spiteful, self centered world. A world that is fallen and sick. Fallen and sick with sin. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles up to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to start our reading today in Matthew 2, verse 13. Why don't we stand up for the reading of God's Word? So the wise men had come. They had seen the child Jesus. They went on their way, and they were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, right? Verse 13, Now when they had departed... Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping, When he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. The reading of God's Word. Thank you very much. Go ahead and be seated. We have a brief narrative before us. a a tragic narrative as we finish out the birth story of our Savior. This is what it ends with. We see before us the depth of the depravity of mankind, the the lowest depths of human self-centeredness. Who was this Herod the Great? Well, according to the Roman historian Josephus, he rebuilt the temple, the temple in Jerusalem, the temple of God. He rebuilt that temple to a grand estate, beautiful for his people. There was a rabbinic saying that whoever has not seen Herod's building has not seen anything beautiful in his life. That is what Herod did for his people. Herod is the man who in 24 BC protected his people from drought. He took his own things, his own baubles, his own jewelry, his own stuff, and he had it melted down into coins so that he could have it sent off. He used his personal finances to send to Egypt for grain to protect his people from the drought. At that time, he provided bakers to prepare food for the old and the infirm. This Herod distributed clothes for the needy. And again in 20 B.C. when the crops failed again, he gave back one-third of the taxes that were due that year for all the people. Wouldn't you love it if our government gave back one-third of the taxes? And he also sought permission from Rome to give back a quarter of the taxes from the previous year. Generosity, yeah? There's a reason he's called Herod the Great. What would you have to say about such a man who protected the poor, the destitute, the needy, the elderly from his own pocket? He was a good man, wasn't he? Surely his good deeds outweighed his evil ones. His sins. And here we find such a man killing babies, killing children two years and under in Bethlehem and in the region surrounding Bethlehem to ensure his own position and his own power. Stephen Charnock had this to say about humanity in one of his works. He said, There is in all our natures such a diabolical contrarity to God. Such a diabolical contrarity to God that if God should leave a man to the current of his own heart, it would overflow in all kind of wickedness. For the best mere nature, the best person, The best, Herod, has fundamentally and radically as much of this enmity against God as the worst. For the disposition is the same. Though the effects may be restrained in some men more than others, no man is any more born with a love to God than he is with a knowledge of the highest sciences. we are not given over to hell for our good deeds done to others, but but for our sins against God and man, for our enmity against God. For even our good deeds are tainted, aren't they? Even the best of men are fallen. This is the world into which God sent his son. A world at enmity with him. A world that sought to kill him. A world that sought to get him out of the world at any cost, even the cost of children's lives. Just when we thought it was getting better and, and Herod was gone, Herod was finally out of the picture and an angel comes and says, go ahead, take him back to Israel. What happens? They find out that Herod's son is in charge now, and so they, they feel like they need to hide away. They need to withdraw to the district of Galilee because it's not that much better. The child probably still in danger should Herod's son find out that he was back. Where, where's, where's the Christmas story this morning? Where's the happy baby in the little manger and it doesn't make a sound because he's cute, right? This is Christmas history. See, God really sent his son into the real world. The great physician came into the world to heal the sick because we are all sick with sin. This is how it actually happened. And God wants us to see why. There's a few things for us to see in such a narrative as this. First of all, we need to see that none of this surprised God. Not one of these things was a shock to him, and he didn't know it was coming. We need to see that God's love is displayed in this. And we need to see what this meant in the person and works of Jesus Christ. First of all, nothing in this passage surprised God. Verse 15. What happened? They fled to Egypt, right? Verse 15, And they remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. It was written long before it happened. It does not surprise God. He saw it coming. He knew they would have to flee to Egypt. He knew he would have to call his son out of Egypt. Verse 17 and 18, Then was fulfilled... What was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Verse 23. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. God foreknew all of these events, Before the foundations of the earth. And when, when people hear a statement like that, we often look at God and we complain and we say, how can God who foresaw all these things let these things happen? Why allow it? And we use the mouths that God gave us to complain against him, not realizing that if he had not given it to us in the first place, we'd have nothing to use to complain against him with. We foolish mortals wouldn't be able to complain had he not given us grace, had he not given us life, had he not given us a body, had he not given us these things. So why don't we use these things and go and do better instead of complaining? Because we are fallen. Because we are sick. Because we need a Savior. God foreknew all these things. He saw it coming. It does not surprise him. Isaiah 42, 8 and 9 says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass and new things I now declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. God knows. Matthew, in, in this gospel that he's given us, desires to show us how Jesus fulfills Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. He wants us to understand that, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, which were written down between 400 to 2,000 years before he was even born. How does a baby fulfill prophecy unless God himself is involved? In doing this, Matthew reminds us that God is indeed sovereign. There is no one over Him. He says it, and it comes to pass. He sees it. He knows it. It will happen. And He has a plan. He and a foreknowledge that allows him to work that plan out in spite of our fallen sinful wills that work against him, in spite of the, the prince of the power of the air that we read in Ephesians chapter two that works against us and, and God in, through the children of disobedience of which we were once a part, outside, apart from Christ. God knows the hearts of men. Luke 16.15, Jesus was speaking to the people. He says, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts, for what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. God knows our hearts. And because God knows the depth of our need, He knows that we would not, could not do anything to redeem ourselves before Him. In our fallen sinfulness, we could never redeem ourselves before His holy perfection. We would not, could not wash away our sins. Our righteousness being like filthy rags before God, according to Isaiah 64 6. Because he knew this before the foundations of the world, he set forth a plan of salvation for us. None of our sin, the depth of our depravity, none of this surprises God. He saw it coming, and he still sent his son into the world. John one, 1 through four and verse fourteen. And we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And in this, we see God's love displayed. See, that prophecy from Jeremiah that is in our passage today, it begins with a human tragedy that God could count on and foreknew we would do in our sinful, fallen, self-centered condition. But God promises hope for his people. He goes on from the tragedy to promise hope. In Jeremiah chapter 31, which is where this prophecy comes from, verses 15 through 17, it says, Thus says the Lord, A voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, Keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. And if the Lord declares it, it will be. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, the love of God displayed. 5.8 says, But God shows His love for us in that while we were sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.10, While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. Charles Spurgeon says, The carnal mind is not opposed to God merely, but it is positive enmity. It is not black, but blackness. It is not at enmity, but enmity itself. It is not corrupt, but corruption. It is not rebellious, it is rebellion. It is not wicked, it is wickedness itself. The heart, though it be deceitful, is positively deceit. It is evil in the concrete, sin in the essence. It is the distillation, the quintessence of all things that are vile. It is not envious against God. It is envy. It is not at enmity. It is actual enmity. God sent his son into this world to save us from our sin, to save us from our enmity against him. God didn't wait for us to become good to save us. He didn't wait for us to start being right before him to forgive us. He knew we never would. His love for us is is magnificently fulfilled. And that while we were still shaking our fists at Him, while we were still killing babies to save ourselves and our position, our own rights to, to set ourselves above other people, while we were still finding new ways to contradict Him and deny Him, knowing our sins, past, present, and future... Jesus entered the world in a fleshy, helpless baby's body just like the one you and I have but without sin, perfect, pure, holy. Jesus took that body in all of its perfection to the, co- to the cross in our place to be the atonement for our sins, to shed his own blood where our blood should be spent to pay the price of our wrongdoings to to pay the wages of our sin that's the love of god on display for us while we were still his enemies he sent his son into the world do me a favor pinch yourself really hard right now right now if you won't do it do it to your neighbor okay Just kidding, don't pinch your neighbor, please. (laughs) Did you feel it? Guess what? Jesus knows that feeling. Jesus knows that feeling. God knows what that feels like. All the trials in this life had an effect on the person and works of Jesus Christ. See, God knew everything, right? all the tribulations and trials that this world would thrust upon His Son. And because the Father did not hold this world back from His Son, because He allowed Herod to chase Him down, because He allowed these things to happen all the way to the cross, we have a Savior who is a sympathetic advocate. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 and 18. For it was fitting... That he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Hebrews 4.15 reminds us that Jesus is not only our high priest who, who makes propitiation for our sins, but he is also able to sympathize with our weaknesses, tempted and yet without sin. See, God is not a God who is far away, who looks in once in a while just to check on things and see how things are going. He is a God who knows exactly what is going on, experientially, Knows what we go through. Even from a a human perspective, because he came to us in the flesh, he emptied himself of all the glory of being God and was found in the form of a servant, just like you, just like me. He knows what it is to exist in perfection from eternity past in infinite holiness. And he knows what it is to dwell among us in human flesh with all of its adversity. He felt all our physical pains and then some. When we think about the worst things we are going through, does it compare to being hung upon a cross? The worst way that man has ever devised to hurt another human being. He knew the disappointment of his friends abandoning him. And he understands how it feels to be mocked and misunderstood and hated, all for no reason except for the jealousy of mankind, the jealousy of this fallen world. And and because he endured and knows what we endure in this world, the trials of this life, God calls the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, he calls it perfect. He calls it complete. No one can cry out to God and say, you're perfect, you're God, you're you're out there in the heavens, You you don't know what I'm going through. Yes, He is fully God, but fully human in every way and experience. And being so, He knows exactly what we are going through. Even more so because He did not fail in His flesh but maintained his perfection, maintained his love for us the entire time through 33 years of life, through the three years of his ministry, having no home in which to lay down his head, being taken all the way to the cross. Are you hurting this season? Is there a hardship in your life that you just can't shake right now a trial? Are you recognizing that the the tinsel and the lights are just trying to cover up a harsher reality? You aren't the odd one. There's nothing strange about what you're going through because Jesus went through the very same things. At his birth... The angels declared joy, for there is joy to be found in Christ. But he also suffered, ran, was taken to Egypt, brought back, hidden away. This world has fallen and sick with sin and trying desperately to repair itself with the band-aids of celebration dressed up like hope, joy, and peace. We need to know a few things. We need to know that God knows what is going on in your life. And none of this surprises him. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He is there with you. He may not remove you from the trials, but he will carry you through it. Just as he did not remove his son from the hardships of this life, but he saw him through them in order to work out a wonderful completeness in the salvation that Jesus offers us. Your trials are not a surprise to God, but he will use them to draw you closer to himself, to cause us to rely upon him to a greater degree, to conform us more to the image of his son, Jesus. And we'll work them out for our good because you love him and because he loves you magnificently and wonderfully. He knew every sin that you would commit and he still loved you and still loves you. The evidence is in the sending of His Son. Know that God redeemed you while you were still at enmity with Him in your sin. If we have nothing else in this life, if our life should pa- fall apart and we should lose every tangible thing and we, our bodies are sick and we end up in a hospital, we still have a salvation that we would not and could not have hoped to deserve or earn for ourselves. We have a magnificent, glorious, lavish grace that has been given to us in Jesus Christ. Amen? We would not and could not have earned it for ourselves. Because of that, let us lift up prayers of thankfulness to God this Christmas. Let us give glory to God for all he has given to us. No matter what our situation is, we have a hope. We have a real hope in Jesus. Know that God in Jesus Christ can sympathize with everything. Every pain, every disappointment that his children endure. See, in Christ, your salvation is indeed complete. He tasted life, and he tasted death for you and for me. He came as a baby boy in a manger. He he took his flesh and his perfection all the way to the cross for you and for me. In these things, let us take comfort this season. There is joy, hope, love, and peace to be found in this season. Not in the decorations, not in the good deeds of men, for these are just a mere cover-up for the depth of our sin, but real love, real joy, hope, and peace took on flesh and gave it up for us at the cross so that our love, our joy, our hope, and our peace could be just as as everlasting as He is. Let's pray. Father God, we praise You. Lord God, we praise You that You knew everything. There was no sin of man that shocked You or surprised You. It disappoints You. It causes You anger and angst and and frustration. But God, your foreknowledge is such a wonderful thing that you could lay out a plan of salvation for us and you could cause it to come to fruition, that you could cause it to happen in spite of us, for us. Lord, we praise you that your love was on display in your Son coming to earth as a child in our place for us at the cross. Lord, we praise You for the perfection, the completion of the salvation, that we have a sympathetic advocate in Your Son. Lord, we pray for this season. We pray, Lord, that we would finish it well in worship of You. Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know You, we pray, Lord, that You would convict the hearts. Lord, we pray that Your Son would not leave their minds that they would continue to ponder every bit of your word to know that they need a Savior, they need reconciliation to you, and it is only in Jesus Christ, and we need to ask you into our hearts. We need to ask for your forgiveness. We need to recognize our sinful condition. Lord, help us to do just that and to celebrate This season, Father, celebrate in you, celebrate in our salvation, celebrate in the joy that it is to know you, the hope we have in you, everlasting hope. We give to you this Christmas and every day, every hour we have in between. In Jesus' name, amen.